You're listening to episode 62 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about how to let go of those leftovers. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. This week, and maybe also next week, we are going to be talking about how to let go of the leftovers. And this idea and concept started when I was talking with a client and we were talking about giving ourselves the leftovers of time and how we can joke about it as moms, as like getting the leftover scraps of food your kids leave behind. We get the leftover bits of time or energy at the end of the day. And the challenge here is that we hold ourselves to a higher standard. We set these bigger goals. We have these big dreams and desires. And then we give ourselves the cracks of our day. We give ourselves whatever's left over. And then we also expect to achieve these big dreams and goals while also not giving ourselves ample time, money, energy, (laughs) food, fuel, things like that. And so that's really what I wanted to talk about today. And as I was going through and brainstorming and just brain dumping all of my thoughts on the topic, I ended up with 10 pages of notes. This may turn into two episodes instead of just one, but I think this is an important concept because There are many areas where we give ourselves the leftovers, and I think this is something that we can start to let go of. Along the lines of the two bites behind challenge of can we let go of the leftover food? Can we let go of those leftover couple little bites and be okay with that? While also now not just giving ourselves whatever is left over in the day. And so as moms and sometimes just as women in general, we learn and we pick up on this idea that we shouldn't inconvenience others. We shouldn't impact them. We shouldn't rock the boat or make people uncomfortable. And so we can be very hardwired to make other people like us. And not everybody, but for many of us. And you might think of yourself as a people pleaser where we are thinking of others, which is great, but sometimes it comes at the expense of ourselves. And so this shows up when we want to pursue any goal, whether it's you want to lose weight, run a half marathon, build a business, start a new hobby. doesn't really matter what the goal might be. Any type of goal can trigger this. And we try to achieve these goals in a way where it leaves no trace on our families. It never inconveniences our partners or family members. We only use the time, attention, energy, or money that's left over. And if you looked at your calendar, the budget, especially the family calendar, the family budget, there would be no trace that you were pursuing this goal. There'd be no trace that you were trying to lose weight or start a business or pursue this hobby. And this often creates a lot of pressure now to do it the right way, to not make any mistakes, to never have a setback or to try something that doesn't work. And there's a lot of pressure to not fail, which actually makes it really hard to try new things because you don't know 100% whether something will truly work, quote, work, or not, right? Or something might work for a time and then it stops. But the only way we make it safe to try and safe to go out there and make an attempt and to put 100% in is if it's okay to fail. And if we're working from this place of 
I have to work with the scraps of whatever's left over. I have to work within the cracks of time in my day. I have to work with 10 minutes here or there. We have this pressure of I have to get it right because I have such limited time, money, energy. Because I have limited funds to work with, I have to make sure I get it right on the first time, which also can lead to beating ourselves up for trying things that maybe didn't work out and, quote, wasting time or money, energy, food, just being aware of these cycles that we can find ourselves in. Your vision for your life likely includes significant impacts to your family, more financial freedom, more choices, more time together, better health, better energy or mood, less irritability, less yelling, less money spent on food you're overeating or emotionally eating, which means that you have more money for fun things. (laughs) But you don't get to that place without being willing to leave a trace. So often we get hung up on not inconveniencing anyone else, trying to not impact anyone negatively, that we don't end up making the positive impact we do want to have. You can't hit your goal if you are always trying to fit these big hopes and dreams into the cracks of your life, only giving yourself the leftovers. But we've become accustomed to this lifestyle. This has become the norm. This is just what we do. And there's a couple of reasons why. But I want to dive into where we give ourselves the leftovers because there are three key areas that I pulled out. And these are not the only ones. These are just three that I noticed where other people tend to get first dibs on what we have and then we get whatever's left over. So this episode isn't just about food and weight loss. It's about how we show up, the boundaries that we set or don't set, that we maybe set but don't enforce and how it can show up in these different areas and what this might look like for you. Because again, getting the body you crave is great, but it's not going to mean a damn thing if you don't also have a life that you love. And getting the body isn't going to mean anything if you can't maintain it, if you can't keep it. If you feel so guilty for spending time, money, energy on this goal, and now that you've achieved it, okay, now we have to go back to how we did things previously. Now I go back to eating the same food. Now I go back to the same habits. Now I go back to making sure I'm not inconvenience anybody with my workouts or I'm not doing this or doing that. How you get there is how you'll be there. This is how we're going to be with our mindset. This is what we're going to need to continue to do in order to maintain those results. So the three areas. Area number one is going to be time and energy. And I'm putting these together as one, even though we could separate them out, but we're going to put time and energy together. So often we load up our days with things for other people. And there's nothing wrong with serving others, but What happens is that you end up getting whatever's left over at the end of the day. And typically, there isn't any time that's, quote, left over. You can get to the end of the night and you've done all of the cooking. You've cleaned. You run errands. You return packages. You do the laundry. You shuttle the kids around after school. Maybe you help them with homework or an art project. Again, nothing wrong with this. But it's important that you carve out some time for things that you want to pursue as well, rather than saying, I'll do it once the kids go to bed, and then you're always so tired, you don't actually want to do the things you want to do. And I noticed this myself because I would often say, oh, once Caleb goes to bed, I can spend maybe an hour working. But by the time it's 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, my brain wants to unwind and relax. It does not want to go and think and work. <laughs> After a couple of days and a couple of weeks of doing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that is totally not going to work. <laughs> I know myself and I know how I work best and how I don't work. And I also see how it was the leftovers that I was trying to put towards things. 
It was the leftover time of, oh, once he goes to bed, now I've got this time. It's great that we do all these other things, but we also want to plan and be intentional with the goals and the things that we do want to pursue and giving ourselves time in the day and not just giving ourselves, well, what's left over at the end of the night after the kids have gone to bed. Don't worry, we'll talk more about the solutions in the next episode. But for right now, I just want to highlight where we give ourselves the leftovers. Number one is time and energy. Number two is money. And I also talk about money on episode 16, the biggest way we sabotage weight loss. And this is the money drama that we can run into with leaving food behind, the I don't want to waste it story. This definitely ties in with the two bites behind because we often have a lot of money thoughts and sometimes our overspending and overeating or overdrinking habits go hand in hand. We're overdoing it and we are indulging in these different activities as a way of buffering, as a way of avoiding certain negative emotions. So how often have you bought your kids new shoes or clothes or books for school or maybe toys or a bike or something just because they needed it or they wanted it? How many times have you gotten an oil change or the house pressure washed or the dog groomed because it needed to get done? Or maybe you encouraged your spouse to buy new shoes or a new computer or a new phone because they needed it. But then the the flip side is that we often now, we get what's left over of the monthly budget. And you might even be likely to spend that on things for the house, a dishwasher, a cleaning service, things for the kids, whether it's a babysitter, new clothes, swim gear, Maybe you feel guilty or you second guess yourself for buying that $30 purse from Target. I had this purse I used for five years and I finally just replaced it. And it ended up costing me like two cents a day, I think, to use this purse. And yet there can be drama around throwing this purse out, the old one, because it's still technically usable. It's embarrassing to carry around because it's all ratty (laughs) and destroyed. I've got another friend who she talks about not getting rid of your ratty old panties or bras that don't fit or things like that. We try to make things work and last longer than they need to rather than just buying a new one. And I think this really stems from our thoughts about money, our thoughts about waste. And it's interesting because we're taught to prioritize others to focus on what can we do for the family? What does the house need? I should be saving up for this family vacation. We can have a lot of shoulds, but we're also encouraged and taught that we, it is okay to spend money in certain areas, like buying a house. That's good. That's the American dream. You don't want to waste money on rent. So you should get this mortgage. You should put hundreds of thousands of dollars into a house. We should spend these massive amounts of money on housing, or we should spend tens of thousands on a vehicle. And then if you look at college education, when a quote, good paying job, is not guaranteed. We then are encouraged and it's praised that we now take out tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for said college. Or it's okay to spend thousands on a vacation or something that benefits the whole family. And so we're really focused on what's going to make everybody else happy versus what is going to make me happy. Do I have money now to pursue goals? And where I see this coming up a lot is that we now hold back on spending on things that are going to help us lose weight, improve our mental health, feel better about our lives, spending money to stop overeating, to stop emotionally eating, or to stop binging, to stop the negative self-talk, to stop feeling so crappy, to stop yelling at your kids, to stop feeling so angry, being happier with your life, right? It's met with skepticism at best. It is not socially acceptable to spend money on coaching or to spend money on 
your mental well-being, we are taught you should just be content. You should just be happy with what you've got. People have it so much worse than you. What do you have to complain about? And we are met with a lot of shame. And I don't think people are have malintentions with this. I don't even know what the right word is here. <laughs> I don't think they have bad intentions. I just don't think they they know how to phrase it in a way where it really makes sense. But often this can be met with skepticism of like, really? Are you sure you want to spend money on that? Are you sure you have money for that? And even as a mom, we can really wrestle internally with making things a priority within the budget, right? Like I could be spending money on my kids or I should be spending money on this or I should be saving up for that family vacation or I should be paying off the credit card. There's a lot of expectations and a lot of shoulds. But you feeling shitty is a problem worth solving in and of itself. You not feeling terrible, it's worth spending your time and money on despite what society tells us. Because often we think of money as being this zero-sum game. If I'm spending money on myself, it automatically takes away from those in my family and therefore it hurts them. We allow ourselves to feel guilty. And often the guilt comes from the shoulds. We can often find guilt or shame from shoulds. I'm doing something bad. I should be putting this money over here or over there. Instead of looking at how that can actually benefit the whole family. If you find that you tend to be very angry, you're frustrated easily, you're yelling a lot, your kids are probably going to be very happy if you work on that. <laughs> your kids are probably going to appreciate it. Your, your spouse is probably going to appreciate you being able to work on those things. But thinking, I should just know how to do this. I should just be able to change these things without any guidance, without being taught how, is often faulty thinking. And we don't have the training. We don't have the insight. We don't have the guidance. And even just to have somebody outside of you who can tell you, oh, here's how you need to fix your form. Having a running coach was huge. Like having a coach in college when I ran cross country, huge. He did all the research. He looked at what were going to be the workouts for the day. He gave us recommendations for other books and other ways that we needed to be eating and fueling our bodies. He also was there to correct our form. To look at what else could we be doing? How are we running? Are we lifting? Do we have muscular imbalances? There's other things going on. And that's why it can be so valuable to have somebody outside of you who can see things as they truly are versus us who see things within our own stories. This is one area, and don't worry, we'll get to this. <laughs> we'll get to this in next week's episode. But this is something where we often will give ourselves whatever is left over, and often there isn't any. It gets dished out and rather than being something where it becomes a priority and we put money towards these things that we really want to pursue, whether it's writing a book or running a race, training for something, we then end up withholding that and we think someday I'll do that. Someday I'll get to it. And someday never comes because the time is never there. The money is never there because everybody else gets first dibs. So those were the first two. Number three, the third area that I see this is with food. Okay, so how often have you eaten the leftover chicken nuggets and fries that your kids left behind at dinner? And this might even happen when you aren't even hungry. You just didn't want to waste it. So now you're eating to avoid feeling guilty for throwing it away. This is emotional eating. When you are eating the little bits of rice and chicken or pasta or mac and cheese and hot dogs out of your kid's high chair, when you are eating the bits and the scraps that are left on their plate, that is emotional eating. Because we are eating now to avoid feeling guilty for throwing that food away. I see this often with the clean plate club, which is really just misplaced gratitude. We can be grateful and appreciative of the food that we have without having to eat it all, especially if we're not truly hungry. 
Now, I'm going to say here, for the record, I have done this too because I'm human and I also have a lot of stories about food and money and waste. So just know, I'm not saying this with any shame or judgment, but we want to bring awareness here. That's the key. Because when we are aware, now we can start to catch it and we are aware and we're conscious, not just that we're doing it, but of what's driving it. Because there's always going to be a thought, there's always going to be a story as to what is driving that action. And we really want to be mindful and aware of when we are eating and we're not truly hungry. We're really just eating to avoid that guilt, to show that you are appreciative or to to try to show your gratitude. But if you're not physically hungry, you're emotionally eating. Sometimes it's intentional. We cut up an apple for our child and then we intentionally plan on, okay, whatever he leaves behind, that's what I'm going to take as my snack. Or whatever goldfish are left over in the bowl, that becomes my snack, right? So you intentionally give yourself the leftovers at snack time. And sometimes this happens with dinner too. Your kids want mac and cheese again. So you resign yourself to eating whatever is left over in the pan. You just eat whatever the kids want. You eat whatever is left over because you don't want to make yourself a meal even though you're trying to eat healthy or lose weight or eat better. Maybe you feel like you don't have the time or the energy or the desire to make multiple meals and you're trying to please everyone. I can spot it because I got it. (laughs) That's how I can see this. It's not that I have a camera and I can see what's going on in your house. It's because all of this has happened, if not to me, then with a client. And this is normal. So we want to make it clear here that this is awareness so that we are more conscious of how we tend to operate on autopilot. So let's talk for a second about why do we give everyone else first dibs on our time, money, energy, food, all the things. This can be seen as virtuous. It's the quote, right things to do. This is what you do if you're a good mom or you're a good wife. We moralize ourselves based on how much we prioritize other people. And I'm not saying that you should go out now and neglect your kids, your pets, your spouse. We often go and we swing on these big pendulums because there's such a huge gap between neglect and giving everything away. And this is the all or nothing trap that we can fall into. The, well, if I've been bad, now I'm bad. I brew in the day. Screw it. I'll start over later. It's this black and white thinking, this all or nothing of I can't put myself first sometimes because then that means I'm neglecting my kids or I'm neglecting my spouse. And this can be tricky when your kids are little and they are more dependent on you or your spouse gets injured or sick and they need you more at this time of life. Hey, there are going to be times or phases when you may be giving more and doing more, but you still need to be carving out enough for yourself. And again, it doesn't have to be much. It can be 20 minutes a day. It can be $20 a day. It doesn't have to break the time or money bank, but we do want to be prioritizing and carving out things for ourselves. This is where it gets tricky, though, is when we moralize ourselves at how much we are prioritizing others. And and a lot of times this is learned at a very young age. Sometimes we're outright taught that. Sometimes it's just this internal thing that we pick up, that internal story that we learned. This is how we be a good mom. This is how we show up in the best way. Or this is how we're a good employee. The other aspect here is that you may mistakenly think that you're greedy or selfish for putting yourself first. It's important here because I think The word selfish can be very, it can trigger a lot of people's nervous systems. And when I think of something as being triggering, to me, that means it triggers your nervous system. You have a physical response that comes on often very quickly, and that goes between the thought and the feeling. So let's take a look at this word selfish, because I think this word gets thrown around a lot. So I looked it up, and there were a couple of different definitions. So number one, prioritizing yourself at the expense of someone else. 
this isn't just about putting yourself first. It's doing it in a truly detrimental way to others. And again, if we go back to how we think about money, if money is a zero-sum game to where if you spend money on yourself, it now hurts and takes away from other people, of course you're going to feel selfish for spending money on you because your thoughts are, this is hurting someone else. This is taking away time from them. This is taking money from them. This is a problem. But just because I spend $30 on a new purse doesn't mean that Caleb isn't going to get new socks or new shoes or a new hat. <laughs> like I, I got him a new hat because his, his old ones from last year are finally not fitting. They were really big on him for a while and now they just don't fit. It's okay. We can do both. Okay, It's not that he's going to go without clothes. He's not going to go without food, but we can feel very selfish if it's something that's just for me. This is what we want to look at is how we are thinking about this and does this really hurt someone? In order to change thoughts about food, we have to start to change thoughts about other things like money and where we're spending money and where we're spending time and where we're spending energy. Another definition is unwilling to spend or give or share, which clearly is not the case for 99.99% of us. I'm sure there are some people out there, but I highly doubt this is you. It's displaying a lack of sympathy, empathy, or general emotions or behaving in a mean or unfair way. What selfish is not? is taking time for yourself to read a book, take a new class, start a hobby, take a nap. It's not selfish to hire a sitter so that you can go to lunch or dinner with a friend, to buy new underwear because yours are ratty and worn out, <laughs> to buy something just because you want it, not because you need it. How many times each day are you telling yourself, I don't need it? It's okay to have things that you want. In fact, this will help you to stop emotionally eating because when you deny yourself what you want every single day in all these other areas, if you spend all this time just wanting, it becomes a lot harder to say no to food and to deny yourself food when it's such an easy way to satisfy that want. Sometimes we learn this growing up in our family of origin, and it's part of how we learn to be loved and accepted. You have to be busy. You have to be serving others. You have to be seen as doing enough. You have to be always giving. Sometimes we're taught this with religion and serving others. It's better or it's more virtuous to serve than to be served. I had another client who she talked about joy and it goes, Jesus, others, yourself. That's how you prioritize things. You don't give anything to yourself until others have been fully served. I think there were good intentions here, but sometimes we can just take it to the extreme. It can get taken out of context and misplaced. And so we end up running ourselves ragged. And then to make it worse, we now feel frustrated because we're not doing more. We're not losing weight. We're not fitting in time for the gym. We're not hitting our goals. We're not making time to run that marathon. We're not starting that business. We're not doing these other things because we are just giving ourselves the scraps. And we think that we should be operating at this higher level and this higher standard, but you can't when you're trying to fit these big goals into the cracks of your day. You can't do that when you're just giving yourself the leftovers. So of course you're not going to see the results that you want, but then you make it a you problem instead of realizing that, oh no, there might just be some of these other pieces of the puzzle that we have to put into place. And then there's another piece here that I've talked about a little bit in some of the self-care episodes, which episode number 24 is self-care isn't just bubble baths. <laughs> and another place that I've talked about it is we're taught to fill our cup so that we can go out and serve others. We're told that I should go and get a massage or take a bath or paint my nails so that I can now care for my kids better or so that I can now care for my spouse better. Instead of doing these things simply because you, you love and care for yourself, there's subtle undertones of, 
what you should be doing. And this subtle undertone of the justification of, okay, I can do this nice thing for myself, but it's only because I need to be doing these other things for other people. I should be out serving others. I need to be doing this. That's why it's okay. So we try to justify it rather than, no, this is something that I want to do. It's something that I enjoy and it's an okay thing to be doing. So there's pressure to serve, which means that the self-care isn't a true break because it's not looking at your needs, wants, and desires. It's still focused outward on have to give to others. And even the question of what do you want can leave us with blank answers because so often we don't know. If you think about, there's that scene from the notebook, right, that a lot of people will quote where he's asking, what do you want? What do you want? And so often we don't know because we don't stop to think about what do I truly want? What is it that I actually desire? We are very good at looking at what's in the best interest of our kids, what's in the best interest of our spouse. And again, not bad things, not like they're not terrible habits, but we also want to look at what do we actually want in life? What makes us happy? What drives us? This is where a lot of people can fall into these midlife crises by focusing on what we think we should be doing instead of what we actually want to be doing in life. And there can be this disconnect. And so that's my theory on it. Granted, I've not been through it, so I don't know. <laughs> this is just a theory. I was not fully tested or anything. But the more that we start to look at what is it that I actually want? How do I want to be spending my days? What does that actually look like? Even down to what kind of exercise do you like? There are tons of clients that I talk to and we talk about movement and moving our bodies in a way that feels fun and good. And they're like, wait, I don't know what kind of exercise I like to do because they've spent their entire lives trying to force and punish themselves with exercise that they hated. That even this idea of what do you want to do for exercise leaves them with this blank stare. I have no freaking clue. So this is not to beat us up. This is just to bring awareness of what these subconscious thoughts and stories and undertones might be doing that's really running the ship. This week is all about understanding where we give ourselves the leftovers and why. And next week, we're going to talk about, okay, so where do we actually go from here? Because if I put these episodes together, it would be like probably over an hour. <laughs> so I'm going to cut this one here. And next week, we'll dive into more of, all right, so now what? Now that we can start to recognize and we have this awareness of where we're giving ourselves the leftovers, what it looks like, why we might feel compelled or desire to do that, now we can start to look at, okay, how do we start to change this in a way that feels good, that doesn't feel too triggering, and also recognize that there are going to be people who are used to you doing certain things a certain way. And when we change that, they may not like that. And that's okay. And so giving ourselves the time to be able to implement and to make these small 1% steps, again, we don't have to make these big, massive overhauls, but starting to put the, the pieces and these blocks in place that are going to help us pursue our goals, that are going to help us start feeling better about our lives, that will ultimately have us showing up as a better mom, as a better spouse, as a better boss, or a better employee, or a better business owner, or a better CEO. That's what we're really focused on. If this has resonated with you and you would like some help being able to pursue your goals while also still taking care of your family without feeling like you're sacrificing or you're letting them down or it's this all or nothing. If you would like some help with this and figuring out how do you make this a long-term habit? How do you lose the weight and not gain it back? Because if we go back to these old patterns and these old habits, that's when we regain the weight. And it's because we've never changed our story about time, about exercise, about food, about money, 
about all these different areas. So if you'd like some help with that, then I would love to chat and I would love to help you see what's really standing in your way, what's really holding you back, because I guarantee it's not another list of eat this, not that. It's not another set of diet rules. If you want to really figure this out and figure out the real reason that weight loss hasn't stuck before, then schedule your free consultation at www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. All right, get ready for some fun new holiday content that's coming up in October, November, and December. I'll see you next week. Here's to creating the life and body you crave. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.